Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Silly season, it's fully activated with coaching carousel. Now the transfer portal window opening up. We've covered the spinning carousel already in a previous episode, so it's only fair that we sat down to chat about the portal. Organized, disorganized chaos, and more. All of that with Trey Reeves and our teammate Jake Slower from the transfer portal CFB. We welcome you into another episode of the three technique college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And uh, guys, this is a question that we've been getting a lot in our DMS. We put out a tweet uh, asking for feedback on it. It seems like nobody really likes the transfer portal. And yet it is a reality that we face and will face every day for the next month. Uh, Jake, as we start this episode, give me just kind of your general sentiment towards the transfer portal and everything that comes with it. Um, if you're a fan of a school that's getting hit hard by it, it's not great. And if you're a school that is in a position to benefit from it, um, and you're you know you're winning currently, or you have a position of need that some good players can fill, it's it's a great thing. Um, I, you know, there's, there's two sides to every coin and, you know, I, I'm not sure that I really stand one way or another on it. Trey, it feels like, uh, like he said, if you're benefiting from it, it's your best friend. If you're getting victimized by it, like there are several programs, uh, now back to back years, it feels like it might be the worst thing in the world. We're going to talk about this more kind of in depth, but, uh, simply put is the toothpaste out of the tube when it comes to the transfer portal or are there ways that we could tweak it? Are there ways that we could fix it to bring some sort of order to the chaos? Well, you know, you're never going to go back to the old way of doing things where people literally had to sit out a year if they wanted to transfer short of getting a huge, hugely rare NCAA waiver. So in that regard, yes, the toothpaste is out of the tube. But I do think there are a few things they could do to tweak. They've added, you know, the windows. They've added special, uh, special, I guess, you know, caveats for when a coach leaves, you can uh, enter the portal. I think that's a fair thing for both sides. But, you know, guys, I do want to point out that I don't think this is all 100% bad, right? Like Jake was saying, there are schools that have benefited from it. Look no further than this year's college football playoff field. Who, who did get in and who should have gotten in, right? Like Washington would not be here without Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. got a chance to resurrect his career after he kind of fizzled out at Indiana 
after a couple uh, after a strong start. Uh, Florida State, you know, of course, we don't have to beat that dead horse on this show, but should be in the playoff. But um, it's on the backs of a lot of transfer talent. Jared Verse, the whole wide receiver core, right? Um, so it does kind of spread out this talent that we thought was consolidated too too much into just a few schools just a few years ago. And I think that's really good for college football. But yeah, the toothpaste is absolutely out of the tube when it comes to just kind of the free for all right now. Well, I want to talk about several key questions that that we had that our subscribers had throughout the episode. But first, have to pay the bills, of course. This episode, all of our episodes brought to you by our friends at the Transfer Portal CFB, proud partners of them all season long, and we'll continue to do that into the offseason. We've got a lot of content that we're planning to create over there. Trey, we've got a bowl preview, a mega cast, if you will, coming up this next week. Uh, we're going to be putting out written content along with that as well. So if you want to follow along during bowl season, absolutely head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB website. You can find written content, video content, and much, much more on their social media page as well. It's the 12 days of home field right now going on with our friends at The Good Brand, and you can use our code 3TECHPOD for 15% off. Or if you are a second, third, repeat customer, you can buy through our link that's over on our Twitter account at 3TechPod. It gets you the discount, also helps support the show, and a lot of fun deals going on over there. They, I believe today might have been 30% off their core collection, if I'm not mistaken. So it doesn't help you if you are listening to this episode uh, or watching it on YouTube because it's past, but you get the point. A lot of cool things going on over there. You can stock stuffings um, and uh, or stuff stockings i should there say it is. <laughs> and uh you know words are hard and uh put presents under the tree for your best college football friend that you know guys uh with that out of the way uh several key questions to get to and and i think the first is in reaction to what is over a thousand fbs players going into the portal somewhere between two and four thousand division one players in the portal depending on who you talk to who's officially in, who's just planning to go in. It's easy to assume that this portal madness is is wheels off already. So, uh, Jake, let's start with you. The caliber of names that immediately went into the portal the day that this thing opened were were shocking, and it's not just talented, you know, former five star guys that had a lot of accolades coming out of high school or maybe guys that lost their job due to injury these are starters these are blue chippers through and through they're just deciding hmm I, I might go test the the greener grass theory over at a different school and pick up an uh, a bigger Nil check or maybe just use it uh, as leverage to see if they should go to the NFL draft what do you make of of all of these headline names just simply deciding yeah thanks but no thanks I might be going somewhere else um, for the headline guys, uh, guys like, you know, a Dylan Gabriel, for example, out of OU, th those are guys that are going to find a home I, and they'll, they'll find a home at a good program. Um, and for your guys that are, you know, further down the roster, um, you know, I'll get back to your point in a second, you know, that that's where I think you start to have a lot of the issues, but, um, for these four and five star guys who had started at their original university and then have decided to transfer out, you know, it's a, it, it's a decision that, you know, like you said, could be used as leverage to get into the NFL draft leverage to get themselves a new NIL deal. Um, 
you know, through their or not through their current institution, but around the uh, institution. Um, so I, I do think that there's a lot of benefits for those guys uh, that are at the top of the list. Um, you know, guys like Trevor Etienne, who I believe went in today, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, uh, you know, guys like him, he'll have no issue finding a spot. But um, it's those guys at the bottom of the roster that I'm just not quite understanding from their perspective, I guess, why they would want to potentially find themselves in a spot where they go to a place where they're not going to have that same uh, playing time that they had at their original school. Uh, I, I think of a guy like um, like Spencer Sanders, right, from Oklahoma State, who very easily could have been the starting quarterback at, at Oklahoma State this season, um, started a kind of a weird quarterback carousel there in Stillwater, Obviously, Oklahoma State got the last laugh. They go to the Big 12 championship and will play for for a bowl game while Spencer Sanders largely rode the bench, came in in some some backup situations, some packages that Ole Miss had. But you're right. To your point, it's it's like there's nothing guaranteed. Even if you go to another program promising you playing time, like I'm sure Lane did to Spencer Sanders, it's not always going to be the reality I don't know that that's ever going to be fixed, Trey. That, that just seems like a permanent risk anytime you go into the portal. Yeah, and it's always going to feel like the grass is greener on the other side. And, you know, there's a, another side that we haven't talked about yet. There's certainly coaches encouraging certain players to go into the portal, whether they feel like they can get someone better at that position out of the portal or out of the high school ranks. That We, we all know that those conversations happen um, on each and every campus. So, you know, at a certain point, these guys have to protect themselves and protect their, you know, business decisions as they're looking at not just their NFL possible futures, but 99% of these guys, their, their playing days are going to be over after college football, after their final game of their senior year, or whenever that does, uh, however many years of eligibility we have, because I, I don't even know anymore with some of these guys that are entering the transfer portal. I have no idea how they still have eligibility remaining, but you know, when that eligibility does expire, so many of these guys are not going to be collecting an NFL paycheck. So I do feel for them that if someone's offering you a better NIL deal, you feel like you can, you know, market yourself better while you can. I feel for them there, right? But yeah, so many it just it just opens the door for so many bad actors in the business. I, I'm not like accusing anybody in particular of this, but I'm sure we can all think of coaches that may or may not be doing things completely above board when it comes to the transfer portal and promising things that they may not intend to keep. Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. And, you know, Jake, listen, you're, you're a student at, at Texas A&M. You're um, someone that has a lot of inside knowledge with the sources that, that you run into. We've talked a lot about uh, Texas A&M over these last couple of days. It felt like we were, maybe prematurely celebrating guys not heading to the portal. We thought Elko was going to keep uh, so many of these these star players. And then you see guys like Walter Nolan, uh, LT Overton go in, Fadil Diggs, et cetera. I don't necessarily want to break down that specific example because it's, it's just our school. But I think it's a good example of schools that uh, experienced a boom in recruiting and accumulated a lot of talent, right? A lot of high grade blue chip talent, the best recruiting class ever, ever assembled right under Jimbo Fisher. And now close to, if not over half of those guys, I believe have, have either hit the portal or are gone. Now tell me, 
your thoughts on on high school recruiting. Uh, what kind of emphasis is being put on high school recruiting now going forward versus simply just hitting the portal if you're going to spend a whole cycle, two years or more, recruiting these guys only to see them walk out the door 365 days or less after signing day because they're not getting the playing time they wanted. Um, yeah, I, I think it's brutally important at this point for coaches to be honest with these guys, especially as they approach the end of their senior year as we get closer to signing day. I, I think it's really important that they tell them how it's going to be because this is the time of year uh, where we start to get together, you know, who's going where within the portal. And I think that – and that's one of the trickier parts too is because the portal date does run so close to that early signing day. And um, now this is something that coaches have to balance too. So, you know, I, I think high school recruiting and just being honest with the guys that you are trying to bring in is more important now than ever, because, you know, you're not just recruiting these guys once um, you're having to recruit them pretty much their entire um, career at that school. So, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get that guy in first, but once they're in the door, you know, the door is still open for them to get out with the one free transfer. And so, uh, I, I think that that's going to be something that's going to be really uh, interesting to see how this unfolds is how are high schoolers going to leverage um, the possibility of leaving after year one if they're not getting the playing time that they foresaw, um, especially a lot of the skill positions where, you know, a lot of these rosters have, you know, build rooms like with, you know, especially quarterbacks. I, I think that that's going to be something that we see a lot of is a, a lot of these uh higher caliber recruits out of high school, at least, you know, jumping ship because they didn't, you know, land the job that they wanted and they didn't see themselves progressing up the depth chart the way that they, that they thought they would. Do you think, and and I'll open this up to both of you guys. It, it seems like some of these incredibly um, bold headlines coming out of high school. Hey, this kid is the next, X factor. This is the next big thing. It seems like nowadays in the world of NIL, they're set up to fail because one, they either come in with these massive expectations, oftentimes attached to a dollar amount that is not necessarily private information. I mean, this stuff leaks out pretty frequently and whether or not you can determine the exact dollar amount that a kid is getting or not. I mean, heck, the, the internet is is a horrible place, right? And, and rumors are going to spread. But still, the best guys are going to get large NIL deals. We know this. This is the modern era of college football. But in, in that era, when so much is expected from them, from the boosters, from the fans, from, quite honestly, the internet in general, otherwise you become a meme, it seems like development is being stifled in a way that I don't think we've ever seen. I'd, I'd love for you guys to kind of weigh in on that. It feels like we're rushing these kids to the big leagues. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I mean, you think like 50 years ago, we didn't even let freshmen play at the varsity level on the college football field. Now we expect them to be game breakers right out of high school. So it, it's just incredible to think about over these last few years, you've really seen the experienced teams rise to the top, right? I think about Michigan over the last couple of years and how many just returning starters they have year over year. I think about Washington this year. I think about Oregon. I think about uh, the Texas Longhorns, you know, just so many experienced players that have been in that system 
for years and years and years. And I know they ha- they rely on a couple freshmen there as well. And all those situations re- rely on a few key freshmen. But we're, we're coming to a day and age in college football where if you rely exclusively on that high school recruiting, you're going to be left behind, in my opinion, right? Like so many other programs are going to be filling those gaps with a, a 22-year-old grown man at linebacker instead of an 18 year old kid. And when you try to rush that 18 year old kid out there, sometimes you get the success stories and that's awesome. But way more often than not, you see that kid just get passed over and, you know, confidence start, lack of confidence starts to seep in lack of accountability with the coaches, lack of just confidence from the coaching staff. When you're seeing them not perform up to the level of that guy across on the other side of the ball, it just naturally seeps in and it's really hurting the development. Like you said, Mitch, I think that's completely valid where we're just kind of pouring so much. It's, it's fascinating to see how these coaches are going to be able to split between the transfer portal and high school recruiting, because you're going to need both. You're going to have to balance both uh, to be successful, Mm -hmm. but that high school recruiting is just going to be more and more difficult when you're always looking over your shoulder to see who could I possibly get that's better to get me to a championship level team faster. That brings up an interesting thought in my head. And Jake, I'd love to know if this is the case from your experience. So in the back half of my collegiate career, when that was my full-time occupation, I I worked in the NIL scene um, and specifically worked with with one program, did a lot of their NIL facilitation. Um, It wasn't an agent necessarily, but, but a big time part in helping NIL deals happen at this particular school. And so I got to know the agents, I got to know the athletes, got to know the businesses uh, that were doing these NIL deals. And early on, there was certainly a lot of hype, a lot of excitement around the incoming freshman, around that 18-year-old who had several years, presumably in front of him, where he was going to become a staple of that community, where everyone was going to get to know him. And if you invested in that kid now, it was going to pay real dividends for your business down the line. That was the assumption, at least. Now, it seems like that very quickly has turned to, Trey, like you said, the 22-year-old sixth-year linebacker who's coming to your program to win a national championship. It seems like that's where the NIL dollars are going. That's where these businesses and these boosters want to put their funds. Jake, as, as someone who's still very much on the ground and in the thick of things when it comes to uh, college athletics uh, in, in where you live. Is that the case that you're seeing? Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of players who, especially some of the older guys that when they go into the portal, um, one of the thing, one of the things on their mind and rightfully so is the possibility of earning a lucrative NIL deal, um, you know, within the region that they go to school and, that's something that I think is really important because for, you know, some of these guys, like you mentioned earlier, um, I, I think it might've been you, Trey, you know, they, they never know when they play their last down a ball. Um, and so for those guys to come in and, you know, try to win, you know, regardless of if they're contributing or not, if they're being good to the community and, uh, you know, being a positive voice and uplifting local businesses and stuff like that, you know, I think that that's really important, but also at the same time, I do think that there's a lot of it going on in high school recruiting as well. Um, and a, a lot of, uh, you know, promises, I, I can't say anything regarding like dollar amounts or anything like that, or what is exactly being said, but I, I know for a fact that, 
um, NIL is also definitely a factor in the high school recruiting game at this point. And, and it, I mean, it, it is a game because, it, you know, you're and you're playing against coaches with all sorts of different kinds of tactics. And so you've got to figure out a way to better leverage your school's NIL resources and collectives against other schools, you know, collectives, because the, these collectives are, have definitely taken off and becoming probably the primary form of NIL um, where, you know, donors can directly give to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, I think when NIL started, I think a lot of people just foresaw brand deals and not a pay for play kind of model. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, where we're at right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there is pay for play going on somewhere in the country. Um, wouldn't shock me at all. But uh, I, I do think that maybe we've shifted a little bit away from what the original purpose of NIL was, which to be fair, I think is a great thing for everybody involved. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not a proponent of NIL. That's it's a, it's a net gain for everybody involved, but obviously there are some downsides to it, which that's too long of a discussion to even get into. Right. Well, and I think that gets back to, you know, the subscriber questions asking, is it too, too late? Like, did we already screw this up? And I think, from all three of our sentiments, I think the general answer is, yeah, the issues that persist are probably too far gone to just fix, right? To just have a a snappy solution that, hey, let's eliminate tampering. Here's how you stop tampering. Here's how you stop any sort of pay for play, Jake, like you talked about, from springing up. The NIL, allowing uh, players to benefit from their name image and likeness is obviously a great thing. Like before when you had kids losing their, all of their eligibility because they were running a YouTube channel, that was ridiculous. That was so far the other way that when the NCAA did more or less get pressured into legalizing NIL, they just fell asleep at the wheel. They went too far the other way. They, they course corrected to the other extreme. And, and now it's, in this wild west where it feels like instead of just having everyone you know be able to benefit from NIL we have third parties that are just actively applying the leverage that now creates this whole mess this whole disparity even from a program to program basis uh, so that kind of brings me to my next question and Trina we were talking about this uh, a little bit when the NCAA came out and proposed maybe a new classification for uh, the the next level of teams, the the programs that have the most resources, right? In your mind, how sustainable is this current trajectory that we're on? I mean, it, it seems like more and more every year we forego the traditions, right? It seems like more and more every year we forego what, got us to this point and what made college football such a booming business in the first place. And I think the more of that, that you take away, the fewer people are going to be interested, right? We've talked about that in realignment. We've talked about that, you know, all throughout this whole process of the last couple of years of having this show. And, you know, if you like, let's, let's just take that rabbit trail all the way. Like if, if the NCAA decides we're going to make a separate division, right? What, you know, my, the fans of Miami and Ohio by themselves are not going to, you know, thwart the balance of that. But 
if you take the entire G5 and let's be honest, like probably half of the power five, if we're just creating like a UEFA super league style, super division at the top, that's millions and millions of fans that you're just alienating, right? Because why, why do they even care? Why would they tune in to watch a game? That's just completely out of the realm of competition for them. It's just not going to work long-term. So I think that's a very short sighted solution to this problem. I think it's the NCAA grasping at straws, and they're trying desperately to avoid these top schools from just doing that anyways and doing that independently of them. They want to keep their hand in the cookie jar for as long as they possibly can. But, you know, the more and more that we see the NCAA just fumbling the bag and not having strong leadership in these things like NIL and the transfer portal and just really being an unnecessary middleman, the more that these schools are going to be tempted to do this by themselves. And if we have that happen, I think we're going to have NFL light. And I, I really don't think anybody wants that. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, that's, uh, that's kind of where I stand on it. Um, I, I, I don't know that I think it's too far gone to try and fix the problems with the portal. And for me, the, the easiest thing that the NCAA could release some concrete clarification on would be tampering. Um, when I see a guy go into the portal and immediately commit to a school, that's, you know, it raises some eyebrows. Um, you know, obviously guys talk to each other and there's no problem with guys who are friends from high school or what have you through the recruiting process that get to know each other um, and they get to talking. And then, you know, maybe a guy, you know, want, you know, knows that that's a good place to land and then they go there. But you know, I know for a fact there are some coaches, um, you know, especially across the Power Five that have members of their athletic department or coaching staff that are reaching out to these kids, um, you know, during the season to kind of, you know, gauge their mind on, you know, where they stand with their current team and if they want to join them. And so for me, that that's the that's the biggest problem with the portal at the moment. And as far as sustainability on the trajectory that we're going I think it completely screws the uh, your, your smaller schools, um, all of your G5s, uh, especially if this $30,000 per athlete model mm-hmm. um, that we saw proposed earlier this week by the NCAA president you know, were to come to fruition. I don't know how that would be even somewhat affordable for a lot of these schools that are in financial trouble as it stands with athletics already. I mean... You know, you got, I'm assuming you all saw the story about Arizona athletics department had a little, had a little oopsie in the accounting department. And uh, now they're in a $250 million shortfall. Um, So, you know, you know, for schools with that, with financial troubles that can hardly afford to keep athletics, a lot of these teams on the books, I'm not sure that this benefits them at all. I think that the rich would only get richer and, you know, at the end of the day, it's parody that makes the sport so great. And so I think when we lose that, I think that's when we start to lose college football as a whole and what's made it, in my opinion, the greatest sport um, in this country. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you know, Oregon State is another example, right? Not necessarily directly related, but in an effort to kind of compete in this arms race back when the Pac-12 was supposed to be part of this alliance, uh, Oregon State takes out a massive loan to do renovations on on their football stadium and listen looks great but now they're without a conference now they're without that 
steady source of revenue that they expected to be coming in to help cover those expenses, to help make that up. Now, Oregon State's in a real a real bind, right? One of the many factors, I think, that was at play uh, when Jonathan Smith left for Michigan State. So, yeah, it it just continues to take away this notion that this is an amateur sport, right? This is the NFL light. This has become a farm system for the professionals, and it's on a very similar business model. The problem is it's even worse than the NFL because at least at the pro level, you have guys signed to contracts, right? Legally, and you have a salary cap where the teams true. are at least on even footing, right? That's right. Thanks, Jerry, um, for that. Uh, in college, you can't have contracts. You can't have a salary cap because that truly would be pay for play, which currently is still illegal. So it's like the the restrictions that are in place may actually harm us, may actually hold the game from getting to a healthy future state while there weren't enough restrictions in the first place, at least in the right areas, to keep this from becoming a shootout at the OK Corral. I mean, gosh, how many different ways can we say it? The NCAA has, has messed up. And, you know, it's clean up on aisle four. And, and I don't know that we're ever going to have a mop big enough to, to fully open that aisle back up the, the way that it used to be. Um, it, it's a very, very interesting problem. Now, we're 30 minutes into this, and I do want to get to some specific names because, and we mentioned these some of these guys off the top, because some of them were just shocking, right? Now, the Cam Wards of the portal, I understand. The, the, the players from Florida that are going in, or maybe, uh, you know, like the guys from Texas A&M that are going in, coach firings, programs that are massively underperforming. If you look at Florida's schedule for next year, it's not getting better. Uh, it really feels like guys like Trevor Etienne are, are getting out uh, ahead, of, ahead of an impending disaster, right? But for guys like Dylan Gabriel, for a player like Kyle McCord, Jake, let's start with you. What are they doing? Where, where are we going? As far as Kyle McCord goes, I don't quite understand it because, you know, maybe it was the situation. Maybe he didn't like the coaching staff. And I, I know that um, in recent days, you know, no pun intended, Ryan Day has not been the most popular head coach out there. Sure. Um, you know, and he's been uh, kind of alienated by the fan base. Um you know, for a lot of his failures to win the big game uh, against Michigan every year. And so, um, you know, for with with his case specifically, I, I don't really know what he's looking for um, because he I, I think that Kyle McCord could be a a good quarterback. I'm not sure about great, but I, you know, I, I'm not sure that he'll find himself in a better position than Ohio State. And maybe that was him you know, maybe it was a case of a coach telling him that he would be better off going to the portal um, because Ohio state's already got somebody else in mind that maybe they want to bring in. And one of those really tough conversations was had, but you know, for a, a guy like Dylan Gabriel, I kind of understand it a little bit more because I, his goal is purely to win. And um, if I'm not mistaken, it seems like uh, if I'm correct on that, he was really looking at Oregon. Uh, yeah. It's the rumor and, anyway. Yeah, that's the rumor. And 
you know, from if, from his perspective, I think that that's a great move. You're moving into a system with a great coach that, um, you know, an offensive system that really transformed Bo Nix into the quarterback that he is today. And so, you know, there's already that uh, past success that he can look on, that he can look at. And, you know, Jeff Levy just left for uh, Mississippi State. So I'm sure that that probably had a little bit to factor into it. Um, but for for a guy like him, I, I think it definitely does make sense, especially if you just want to win a national championship. And I, I, I know he probably looked over his shoulder, saw Jackson Arnold right there and said, okay, maybe, you know, maybe it's time for me to, you know, go test the the waters elsewhere. And it's actually good timing for him, especially if uh, this LSU or not LSU, this Oregon rumor does uh, come out to be true. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's totally fair. I'll, I'll say one thing before you go, Trey. Um, yeah. For Kyle McCord, really interesting. And it feels like maybe he was pushed out, kind of brought into that side room, had that tough conversation because it sounds like it might be Nebraska for McCord. Not exactly a win-now program as, as we saw this season. Yeah, no, you took the words right out of my mouth, Mitch. Um, I, I think that Kyle McCord situation is certainly a, hey, we got to change something up. This is not working. It, it's a one-game season for Ohio State right now, and they're three years in a row failing at that one-game season. So they got to change something up. I wouldn't be surprised to see them a major player for a lot of these guys that enter the portal. Um, at the quarterback position. So they'll find the right guy. Ryan Day is not going to mess around and mess this up because I don't think he can afford to. I don't know that he's 100% on the hot seat all, uh, already going into the year, but if you lose to Michigan four years in a row and you had an opportunity to fix that quarterback problem, uh, yeah. they're not going to like that in Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a great example of, you know, a kid being pulled aside and told, hey, like we need to move in a different direction. This portal is going to work both ways. So um, McCord is an interesting name. You know, Dylan Gabriel, I think will find better success on an Oregon team in the pat in the big 10, excuse me. I almost messed that up uh, in the big 10 versus, you know, trying to get with Oklahoma and the sec. I don't know that that's going to be a smooth transition for the Sooners next year. Yeah. And so he might be looking at that as well. So um, lots of big names in the quarterback position though, this year, you know, starters and Cam Ward, Will Howard, Dante Moore had some starts at UCLA this year. I think he's looking at transferring back closer to um, – no, he's he's a West Coast kid, right? But he was committed to Michigan, Michigan for a he's, while. He's a Detroit kid, yeah. Yeah, he's a – that's what it is. Detroit kid, but he was committed to Oregon. So um, who knows where he ends up? He's a talented guy that just, you know, was learning on the fly at UCLA. So lots of big names that could fit that bill for Ohio State and all these other programs that need a quarterback. On, on Dante Moore, I don't know if you guys saw this, and I don't know if it's verified. So if it's been shot down already, forgive me. Apparently his grandmother ranted in some sort of Facebook group. I uh, saw that was true. I, I've seen that it was true. My yeah. word. I mean, goodness. Chip Kelly gets retained at UCLA, and then you have Grandma Moore saying, oh, he doesn't know how to coach quarterbacks. He never used my grandson properly. Like, that is a weird look for UCLA as they get ready to go into the Big Ten without their star quarterback, the kid that they thought was going to be the future. In a Facebook group, too. That's the best part for me. It's not like she's, you know, writing a letter to the editor in the newspaper or something. She's right. taking it right to Boomer Central, the Facebook group. Um, Jake, when you look at 
the guys that are going into the portal, and we've talked about high school recruiting versus building a team through the portal, specifically with NIL, it's been the long-held belief of this podcast, and I have pounded the table, that you cannot build a program exclusively through the transfer portal. Uh, USC was Exhibit A this season along with Colorado, although I think Colorado has deeper issues than just trying to bring kids in from the portal. Um, But there are certain positions that it certainly feels like, hey, if you went out and got this position group, if you beefed up this position group through the portal, that would be great. For me, Florida State doing it at defensive line uh, was, was a great move. Obviously, Jared Verse and company coming in to help the Knowles to what should have been a playoff berth and an undefeated season. And yet we've seen it also fail with teams like LSU going to the portal for their entire secondary. Didn't exactly work out for the Tigers this year. So if you're the new GM of a college football program, is there one position that you maybe think, hey, if we don't get this through the high school recruits, I feel good about going there uh, going to the transfer portal, I should say, to fill those needs. I think the defensive line for me personally is the the biggest spot where you can really do that. Um, you know, it, it's I, I don't want to make it sound like it's not a technical position because there is a lot of technique involved in being a defensive lineman. But when when you're trying to build, you know, like your example with LSU, LSU secondary was an absolute disaster this year. Um, probably the biggest reason, probably the biggest thing that held their team back. Uh, they, you know, they couldn't pressure the quarterback much either, but, uh, you know, the, the secondary definitely let them down. And, you know, for me, that's definitely where you would probably do the bulk of your work, um, would be on the defensive line. I also think that, uh, you can do that at the linebacker position as well. Um, especially as we, as we have these defensive schemes that become more kind of streamlined out of these uh, coaching, you know, off these coaching trees. Um, Because at this point, I mean, the Nick Saban coaching tree extends over what seems like half of college football um, (laughs) at this point. Uh, And, you know, you know, we're probably going to start to see that with the Kobe smarts of the world as we, uh, you know, as, as we go on over time. But uh, yeah, for me, for me, you look at the defensive line, and then that's that's the biggest spot where you can build it. And then also, I think you can really plug and play a quarterback. The quarterback just has to really fit your scheme, though. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the offensive skill positions, like running back, wide receiver. I think you're always going to be able to find those guys. Like, you know, that's the other thing Florida State did, right? They beefed up on the defensive line, like you guys are saying, but their receiving core, Coleman and uh, the other guys. Named- yeah, uh, just amazing pickups through the portal that really took that offense to the next level. But I think what Florida State is doing that I think is going to carry them through, um, you know, to the next few years under Mike Norvell is they're supplementing that with high school recruiting, right? They got the they got the guys in the portal to put them on the map, and now their their recruiting rankings for next year, you know, top five in the country. So they're not going anywhere. They're going to be able to beef up their depth and then pick and choose still through the portal to put them over the top. Do you, do you guys think that the only way to really excel going forward, and I'm talking three, four, five years down the line, is to hire a general manager of college football ops? Uh, Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, yeah I mean, 
Um, you know, actually, a, a really good example of it, a, a Texas A&M, did it just the other day, they hired, uh, you know, pretty much what is a GM. Um, actually, I think that's his official title is general manager. Uh, be, because there are so many different responsibilities when it comes to looking at the transfer portal and at high school recruiting, that's a lot of division of responsibility that needs to be done. And so when you have an organization that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and we see these coaching staffs grow, um, you know, you, you have to have somebody overlooking it because the reality is, is that that head coach already has so much on their plate. And the last thing that you need is, you know, one aspect of your team falling apart because there was disorganization in another part of your of your program. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how those type of hires play out. Because if we know one thing about most college football coaches, they do not like to give up control. So it seems like some of the best coaches, though, are great delegators, right? They they yeah. hire a guy that they trust, a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, um, you know, very important hires. This is going to be just one more if this starts to become a trend. It's going to be one more just extremely important hire. It's going to have to be someone that these coaches trust with their livelihood because – if they're the guy that's in charge of getting you players fails, then you're you're collecting your buyout check in two or three years, right? So it, it's going to be fascinating to see how that role develops and who's kind of pioneering that role as we look for the next couple of years. I agree. I think I think these CEO models are going to become more and more prevalent. It's it's going to have to operate like an NFL franchise, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the GM does not have his fingerprints on the day-to-day. -day. He can't. If you're going to be an effective GM, a CEO, you cannot be the smartest person in the room for every single fire that you're trying to put out. You have to have people in place that you know, that you trust, and that you uh, expect to handle things without you having to ever hear about them other than in a debrief, right? Um, I, I think that's the model that we're, we're moving towards. And I would be so curious to know the, the structure that Georgia, that Alabama, that Ohio State has, which, by the way, just wrapping up the Ryan Day topic, 39-3 and three is his Big Ten record, and every Buckeye fan wants him kicked out of town. It's just uh, it's, it's hilarious to me. I know that game means everything, right, especially with the playoff on the line. But 39-3, and three, folks, like that – that is uh that's an impressive stat no matter who it'll it be fascinating to see how he does in the playoff every year because ohio state's not going to yeah. miss the playoff very often in a 12-team format so you know he almost got georgia last year he's he's owing three against michigan but you know one 50-yard kick away from probably winning a national title last year i don't think tcu would have put up much of a fight against ohio state either so you know it, it's fast it's a fascinating case study we'll see how he does when the field's expanded. That's a great point. Um, well, guys, uh, let's do this. What final thoughts do you have, whether it's on the transfer portal, NIL, specific players, just kind of open it up here uh, as we get ready to wrap it up. Jake, let's start with you. Like, is there something that you're kind of looking forward to, expecting to see? Um, you know, what do you got? Yeah, um, I, I guess my, my number one thing would be and this is just a, a general thought on the portal as a whole to the, to the people that are saying that there is 
a possibility that the NCAA could move the date of the portal. There's really not. Uh, as a college student at this moment, um, and, and this is something that's you know really opened up my eyes to this, you can't move the portal date back to behind the bowl season because you're talking the second week of January and you're running into the second semester or the, the spring semester. You yeah. can't do that. You, you don't have the, you don't have time to get these guys acclimated. You don't have time for them to register for classes. The whole thing would be an absolute mess and you can't move forward the, and you can't move signing day back because then guys might not be able to show out for their senior year, might not be able to pick up the offers that they want. And so I, I think that the NCAA, like you said earlier, the toothpaste is already out of the tube and now they're just going to have to do patchwork on the portal and everything surrounding it. Because at this point we have, we are too far gone to be, um, to try and fix the whole thing up at once. And, uh, hopefully there can be some people who are a lot smarter than myself that can, uh, you know, come up with a way to, to really try and write this ship because we are heading in a very, very ominous direction. And I love this sport too much to see it go by the wayside because the organization in charge of it all didn't have the foresight to see a lot of these problems before they arose, before they arose. So th those are just my general thoughts, but I, I think the portal is a, is a net good, uh, but th there are definitely some problems that need to be fixed. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, especially on it being a net good, because I'll just say for every story that we hear that free that, you know, causes us to freak out about the direction of our sport, there's probably 10 on the other side where a kid is transferring home to be closer to family. A kid sure. is getting a better situation. A kid's following his coach that he developed a great relationship with. A kid's getting playing time or kids, you know, just taking a second opportunity to, you know, make make something of himself in the college football space so there's a lot a lot of good going on with the transfer portal it feels like open season every fall and spring and that's just going to be part of the part of the problem right that's going to be part of this whole thing but the programs that figure out how to tap into it the programs that figure out how to keep their players happy and want to be there are going to be the ones that are successful in the system and i think that's overall a net good thing we want players to be treated well we want them to be, you know, they are the ones that uh, make all the money after all. So for everybody. So we want them to be treated well, want them to get a cut of the action, especially when it's on their name, image and likeness. So overall, there's good things. But, you know, we wish we could have at the beginning set this up better. Yeah, I think tagging along with that, if, if I'm in charge of the NCAA for a day, which, first of all, who let that happen? Uh, but I, I'm trying to come up with some sort of system to at least punish and limit tampering, right? And Jake, you alluded to that earlier. I mean, you and I have had conversations um, off, off the air. We'll keep those off the air, but we know there is very active tampering going on uh, down here in the, in the Southeastern Conference, right? And I mean, you can, you can literally track players to coaches um, with receipts. Uh, it's, it's just not healthy. So I think the NCAA has to come up with some sort of teeth, some sort of backbone where if you get caught tampering, if there is any string that can be attached from a player to your program outside of a open communication window, there are serious consequences for it. And, and until they do that, 
I think that this sense of chaos is going to remain because ultimately you wouldn't have, I don't think, two plus thousand guys headed to the portal if they didn't already have some idea of what their options were, right? Because hypothetically, you're risking your own scholarship at your current institution if you enter the transfer portal. If you're transferring from school X to school Y, or you're hoping school Y will take you, school X can pull the rug out from under you and say, hey, best of luck. Your scholarship is no longer valid to you. We're going to take it somewhere else. That is within their full rights to do that. So there is a element of risk to going to the transfer portal. But right now, with all the tampering that's going on, with all the behind the scenes and under the table deals, a lot of those kids don't feel like they are risking anything because they've already had 15 coaches in their DMs saying, hey, come play cornerback for us next season. Come be our starting left tackle uh, for the next season. I think if the NCAA could somehow get a handle on that or at least introduce a penalty that made enough sense that introduced some more of that check into the rampant tampering that's going on, I think that would help improve the status quo. Um, just just my two cents on that. But uh, for those of you listening at home, maybe you're watching on YouTube, maybe you found us through YouTube Shorts or Instagram Reels, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this episode. We really appreciate it. If you are not subscribed on our social channels, at 3TechPod on Instagram, on X, on YouTube is where you can find us most active. You can also head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB website, their social media as well. And then, Jake, give your Twitter or your X handle uh, so that folks can go follow you. Yeah, just follow me. It's uh, just my name that's on the screen, at Jake Slower. I talk a lot of uh, college football, specifically Texas A&M, so feel free to give a follow uh, if you like or hate the Aggies. That's right. There's there's a lot of people on both on both sides of uh, sides of that fence. There's no doubt about it. Well, for Trey Reeves, for Jake Slower, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Until next time, so long, everybody. Woo!